Hi, thank you so much for listening to a Church in the City podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it enriches and encourages you today and that it can serve towards fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. I'm so excited that I'm here today. I have my whole family here because youth, you're with me today because I said so. <laughs> so we're double dipping in youth. Kids, I know that you guys, you guys can hang in there. It won't be too long. It's going to be great. It's going to be like one of those cool YouTube videos. Just keep your focus right here, okay? Got my biggest fan over here to my right. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Jonathan. Uh, Sarah and I have been part of this family now for four years. Uh, it's been a super fun journey. I'm excited. You know, I guess uh, as far as heavy hitting goes, I have to say this right off the bat. I believe that Jesus himself is driving sickness out of our midst today. And I have so much to back that up with, with what his promises say in here. But I believe that Jesus is a miracle worker. He was here 2,000 years ago on earth, and he showed us and displayed powerful things, but he's still working in our midst today. So if you guys can believe that with me, turn your expectors on. I feel by the Spirit of God that there's people in here that have been dealing with some dark things, uh, anxiety, stress, heart problems, physical problems. So today is your day to receive the miracle that he has. I can't do anything. All I can do is agree with his word And when he says, I'm going to drive sickness out of your midst, who can believe Jesus at his word? Amen. So I'm excited. I'm going to start out with a story. This week, as I actually the last several weeks as I prepared, I was so heavy in the word. I'm like, Lord, I need to have something fun to say. He says, excuse me, what's not fun about this? And I agreed with him. But, um, you know, I'm going to start off with this story. Probably about two months ago, my little daughter, Evangeline, wave Evangeline. How you doing, little girl? Um, I was up north with my son, uh, Caleb, and we were working on a project up in Grayling, Michigan, and Caleb and I were heading to town, getting some McDonald's or something like that. I can't remember. I know we pulled in McDonald's at one point. I won't, go, I won't tell him that part of the story, buddy. But uh, we got a call from Sarah, and Sarah was distressed. She was scary-sounding to me, caused fear to come on me, and she's like, I can't find Evangeline. I said, I had to keep the calm dad thing going for a second. I'm like, look in that hiding spot over there. She's like, I looked there. I said, well, look in that hiding spot. She she likes to hide for whatever reason. And I said, look in that spot. She looked, I looked there. I said, it's going to be okay. And then there was this moment where this spirit of fear tried to attach itself to me because that's my little girl. And I don't know what's going on. I'm way up north. I am disconnected from the situation. But I heard God say, it's going to be okay. And I heard him say that I have angels watching over her. I'm like, okay. So Sarah's freaking out. Evangeline's missing. She's nowhere in her hiding spots. She's nowhere in our yard. What do I do? I said, let's stop. Let's pray. I said, Lord, I thank you that angels are in charge of Evangeline. You know where she's at. I thank you that I have a covenant with you and it's going to be okay. That's what I said, but everything on the outside in Sarah's voice, it did not feel okay, okay? It was bad. <laughs> Funny now, huh? <sighs> so she's looking, and we have this creek in the backside of our property, and I can just envision like this crazy, scary movie. Sarah's running through the woods. Evangeline! I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Long story short, Sarah comes up by the house a few minutes later. Sorry, babe, if I'm bringing back some traumatic events here. I didn't tell her I was going to tell the story. And uh, the neighbors pull up, and they had Evangeline in the back seat. So our pretty little Evangeline thought she'd take a walk on the golf course, on the golf path, looking for a sister who was inside the house. 
And she went to our neighbor's house across the creek, knocked on the door and said, can I play with your puppy? She was safe and she was fine the whole time, but I didn't feel that on the outside, but I knew that God had it under control and she came home and whew. But praise God, because of the covenant we have with God, because of the things that I know about what Jesus did at Calvary, the blood that he shed is for forgiveness of sin. He brings us into covenant and in family with him, and he has so many promises. And my goal today is to unpack those promises in God's word. And Sarah and I, so that's the end of that story. Sarah and I, we're really into a a series called The Flash, right? Real sci-fi. It's really cool. But he can do these amazing things, and he can like mess with the timeline. And that's not good when he messes with the timeline. But today I'm going to mess with your brain and talk to you a little bit about the timeline. But before that, I just want to say this. I'm so thankful that Pastor Leon and his wife Audrey are here. They have been such a big blessing. Amen. Amen. They've impacted so many people in West Michigan and around the world. I'm one of those people. So Pastor Leon, I'm going to stick with the word today. I'm glad you're back there and Scott is between you and I. Because if I mess up, Scott. Um, So we're going to go back in time a little bit. And we're talking about there's power in the blood of Jesus. And, and I'll, just, I'll just clarify this. The name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus isn't just some magic wand you can wave around with mental assent. The word of God tells us exactly who he is and what he, do, what he did and where he's at. And the faith that rises will cause doubt and unbelief in your life. Like when I started out this morning, I said, I believe Jesus is driving sickness out of our midst. Sometimes our heads get in the way right? And our feelings of sickness and depression, and they they are so strong. But what we're going to do today is dismantle that with God's word. And God's word will push down those walls. He'll push back those lies, and he'll cause revelation to rise up on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did by shedding his blood. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's exciting, exciting news. Amen? So, To better understand the revelation of the power of the blood, we must go to the origin story. And it's not in Genesis 1-1, because Genesis 1-1 is in the beginning. We have to go back before in the beginning. Are you ready? I got one, mm mm-hmm. I need at least one more. Okay, all right. God always had a plan, and I'm going to go into some scripture now so you guys can hold my feet to the fire so I'm not just playing the flash and playing with timelines. I'm not trying to mess with your mind. Well, I am trying to mess with your mind, but because it's God's word, that's going to eradicate anything that wasn't true. Um, I have this in my notes, so I'm going to get the machine gun out of scripture and just fire away. You guys ready? Good, 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 good. First Peter 1.19 and 20 says, But he paid for you with the precious life blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. There it is. But only recently was he brought into public view in these last days as a blessing to all of you. You are all of you. Raise your hand if you're you. Bailey, you're you. I'm talking to you. Yeah, I could name you all off, but I'm not going to. Ephesians 1.4, it says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Revelation 13.8. I'm going too fast for you? What? For Caleb? It's okay, Caleb. You can watch the video later. Revelation 13.8. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was slaughtered before the world was made. So I'm telling you today that 
God wasn't surprised by what happened in the garden. He wasn't surprised by Satan. He knew it all along. Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Mind blown maybe for some, maybe for not. Maybe this is elementary, but it's good to do your arithmetic. Two plus two is four. Jesus was there. The plan was in place before the foundation of the world. Amen? Here we go. So we're going to jump from that to this wonderful word that we might not use a lot today, but it's in a lot of our systems that we maybe don't see it and practice it, but the word covenant. From Genesis to Revelation, there is mention of blood, mention of covenant. And why is it important? Because it's part of God's story. It's part of his plan. And when our eyes are opened up to what's really going on in the Exodus and the tabernacle talk and all of these things and all these rituals, and we begin to see Jesus all the way from the beginning to the very end. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to define covenant. The Bible is divided into two divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the more proper name for these two divisions is covenant. So there's a story of an old covenant and a new covenant. And in the Bible, the word covenant means a binding agreement between two parties. I might not um, pronounce these words correctly. I'm going to do my best. The Hebrew word for covenant is berith, and the Greek word is diatheke. It actually means to cut covenant. By definition, it is an agreement to cut a covenant by the shedding of blood and walking between pieces of flesh. So here in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, we have an old blood covenant and a new blood covenant. It's very important that we understand that blood had to be shed. So there's this book that I read, and I'm probably going to mention it a few times throughout the service today, and this is like my original, like, whoa, mind blown of like covenant talk. It's called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. It's by Richard uh, Brooker, I believe. I, could, I might have that name wrong. But anyways, The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread, and he breaks down all of these things, how you can see Jesus through the Passover, through the Exodus, through the tabernacle. And, in, and there's a story, and I've heard this story before, but Basically, the name of this man, fast forward to, I think, the late 1800s. His name was Henry Stanley. And he went to go find uh, David Livingston. He was a famous missionary. And uh, he was missing for six years. They wanted to know if he was dead or alive. So they sent Henry Stanley on this adventure to Africa. And so he's in Africa. And the first thing he does, he has supplies. And he meets up with his tribal leader. And the team is encouraging him to cut covenant with this African tribal leader. And he has a goat in his possession that they're getting a lot of their nutrition and their food from this goat to feed his team as they're about to travel into the jungle. So all these negotiations take place and basically he has to give up the goat to get this tribal leader's staff. And he thinks he's getting the bad end of the deal. And so covenant is old school from the very beginning. We don't practice it today. Brandon, when you and I hang out, we don't cut our arms and say, yeah, blood brother, gunpowder, we brothers. We don't do that, but it was a real deal back in the day. And it's still practiced throughout the world. So Henry Stanley, he cuts covenant, he gets a staff and he gets a goat. But what he finally realizes later that when he takes that staff as he gets deeper into the jungle, people recognize that right away and they recognize the other tribe. So when they cut covenant, everything I have becomes yours and everything you have becomes mine. We a big family, Akuna Matata, you know? It's the real deal. So he pulls up and he did cut covenant. He has this scar, he has this staff, and people recognize that tribal leader. He's just a good old boy from New York City, 
Now he has a tribal staff. He's missing the goat, but he has actually more than just the goat now. He has his goat. He has the staff. He has everything he needs, that tribe. And so I'll just shorten this story to kind of understand the impact of what this did. Before the time he left Africa, he had cut 50 different agreements with tribal leaders. So when people would come at him, you know, they see this guy that doesn't look like them, doesn't smell like them. Well, probably at this point he smells like them, but they see this guy that they come at him like, who are you in my territory? All he had to do was lift up his arm and they would see the 50 cuts, which represents this boy's been cutting a lot of covenant and they ran in terror. And I'm here to tell you today that when you understand the covenant of what Jesus did and you get that revelation, it gets in your heart, man, I'm, when you see things that come against you, you just lift your hand up and you say, uh-uh, I'm with Jesus. I'm with God. I'm part of his family. Sickness, you have no right to stay here. Fear, you have no right to stay here because you're in covenant. When you have that understanding of what Jesus did, how he poured out his love, how he poured out his blood and brings you into this family, fear is eradicated. Love rushes in. Peace rushes in because that's the promise that God has for you. Amen? So we're going to go now and start in the beginning, which is after the origin story. Are you staying with me? I know Sarah is. She's loving this. Thank you, Sarah, for your beautiful face of yours over there. Genesis... um, Chapter 2, verse 25, it says, we're talking about Adam and Eve. We're talking about how they were without sin. They had no shame. They had no guilt. But in um, verse, uh, Genesis 2, 2, 25, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Amen. Can I get amen, brothers? Hallelujah. <laughs> felt no shame. But then they were deceived by Satan, and something was very wrong. Adam, Adam. Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, at that moment their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed live, uh, I'm sorry, they sold they sold fig leaves together to cover themselves. So what did they do? They disobeyed, they got deceived, they entered into this place of guilt and shame, and they ran and they tried to cover their guilt and their shame, and they were with fig leaves. What does that show us? That shows us that they themselves tried to do something that was tried to get them back in right relationship with God. There's nothing that you can do. I, I love what was going on this morning with the words that came out. There's nothing that you can do that will get you to God except for faith in his son and the blood that he shed. We could never, but praise God, we can come into, but we could never do anything on our own. If we go into the New Testament, um, Jesus asks or Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive this chump? That's Jonathan paraphrase. <laughs> Seven times, Jesus? Because he's getting, I mean, he's been practicing that sword chopping thing, chopping off ears that we see in the future. But Jesus says seven times 70, which is mind-blowing. Peter's like, oh, that's a lot. And, and I'm coming to come back to this. But then Jesus tells a story about this person who owes this debt. And if we were to bring it into uh, today's standards, this servant owed this master billions of dollars, something that could never be repaid. I mean, it just couldn't. It was impossible. So Jesus tells this ridiculous story of proportions that I can't get there. But then this master forgives him all that debt. And as the story goes on, the person who was forgiven that huge debt couldn't forgive that little debt. Jesus showed us the ultimate price that had to be paid for the forgiveness of sins, and that was him shedding his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 
And so I'm gonna go jump back and forth here to help us understand that we have a good God. He had a great plan. We had a loving Jesus. He's the only one that could stand in the gap for you and I. So at that moment, they made fig leaves. And this is something that I think is amazing. If you already knew this, hey, cool. But if you didn't know this, hang on, because this is something that I didn't see until later in my, in my walk. But we'll read this verse first to get your anticipation. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God prophetically puts a plan to motion. He says this, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head. I didn't start my stopwatch. Thank you. I'm at 29 left. <laughs> left right now. Okay, good. I got that. And that will cause hostility between your, you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and, I will, and you will strike his heel. All right, we're going to get back in the zone now. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. You ready for this? Addison, are you ready? Look already, okay. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. He didn't go down to Burlington. He didn't go to, J we have JCPenney now? I don't even know. No JCPenney. He didn't go online and go to whatever that website was and order animal skins for Adam and Eve. This is the very first time that we see, because how else can you get animal skins? He didn't go shave Baba and knit some clothes. It says in verse 21, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. What I want you to see is that God himself came in on the scene. He saw that they tried to cover things up and he says, nope, an animal or animals were killed and blood was shed for the very first time. Now this blows my mind because God gave Adam Dominion, and he gave him the right to name all the animals, and they were in the garden. So I'm sure Adam had a good check on all of his animals. They committed to this thing, and as I'm sure God had Adam and Eve, and now I'm not saying this from what's in the word. I'm, I'm just giving imagery here, so don't call me a heretic, please. But I'm sure Adam and Eve were there because God. It, it, we can see the, the line here and the thought and the process. God killed those animals and made skins for them, I'm sure as Adam and Eve watched, as Adam and Eve watched what God was doing, something on the inside of them rose up and thought, this isn't right. Why does that innocent animal have to die? Because they've never seen death to this point. They've never seen bloodshed at this point. And so I believe this is where God institutes what it looks like for the shedding of blood. And so as we go on, we see... That in um, Romans chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Praise God that God had a plan. Praise God that God had a plan. Um, let's go back. Jonathan's life, eighth grade, right? Eighth grade, I'm excited, I'm playing basketball, I'm working in the driveway all summer long, layup after layup after layup, go eat a sandwich, come back out, layup after layup after layup, because you gotta make those layups, because if you have a breakaway and you miss that layup, you look like a big time. 
So you better make that layup. I learned that the year before. You make it. So I worked and worked and worked and worked. I worked on my skills in and out, in and out. You know, I'd throw that ball against the garage door a hundred times. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, I worked on it. I worked it. I worked it. I worked it, Scott. I wanted to be the best when I got on the court next year. So the team that we had, I went to a small Christian school. Coach is old school. He was a Marine. He could do one-handed push-ups. He tried to intimidate me, but there came a point in my life where I'm like, I'm manning up. Mr. Cox, I love you. And so... He was so old school that he thought that whoever's the oldest had to be a starter, and I wanted to prove him wrong because I'm like, I am better than that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. I'm number two because that guy's good. And so I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Long story short, he benched me all year long, but in every single practice, I worked harder, and I mean, I, I smoked these guys. I broke ankles, Kevin. I was good. I was so good, but I couldn't get through to him. And I think if I look back and step back, he probably thought I was a cocky punk. And just because of that, I ain't going to play him. That's what I think. So we were at this one game. We were playing a school in Greenville, Michigan. I'm on the bench, and my dad would come to every game. And that really hurt because I'm like, Dad, I know I'm good. I know I'm good. And he's sitting here. I'm like, just don't even come to my games anymore. This is a disgrace to the name. <sighs> I'm gonna, and I actually told him I was going to quit. I'm like, this is dumb. Why would I go and play this hard, be better than all these guys, and sit here just to watch them lose? It was disgusting, Scott. It was rough. So we're down at this one game. We're down 12 points. And I'm like, man, if he just put me in, we'll win this thing. I mean, I was pretty confident. <laughs> I was pretty confident. And so if he just puts me in. So all of a sudden, like, we're down. It's the fourth quarter. There's two minutes and 12 seconds left. Coach looks at me at the bench. He passes all those other. And he sees me. He says, I'm like, Yes. So coach puts me in, and it was my time to shine, right? So pumped, so excited. I've been waiting this for all of my life, up to eighth grade. This is the meaning of life. And so because you're sitting at the game, like you use your brain, you're like, I know what these guys are going to do. I know how he passes. I know what he does. And so I get in there. The first play was like in five seconds. I steal the ball. I get the ball. I've worked on those layups. Boom, layup number one. Yes. Then I pulled this cool, I'll call it the Jiminy Cricket move. I don't even know what that means. I'm walking out the court. I knew he was going to pass, and I turned around, got the ball. Boom. Four points with like in 10 seconds. Yes. So now we're only down, what, the eight points? Well, then all these other dudes that are on the court that are ready to lose and ready to be defeated, something just sparks on the inside of them because old Johnny boy's in the game and he got four points. The next point comes from another guy who saw what I just did. He's like, if he can do that, I can do that. And he stole the ball in the inbound. Boom, we're down six points. Yeah. Crowd's going nuts. My dad's face is like this, but I'm like this. I'm in the zone. We're going to win this thing, right? Long story short, we come back. I could keep going on the rest of that story, but we come back and we win that thing. The crowd goes wild. Coach goes wild. We all go wild. I'm here to tell you today that you might feel like you're in this losing situation. Depression has entered in. Bad things have come in, but Jesus wants to get into the game with you right now, and he wants to bring you to this place where you thought you were defeated. He says, no, I'm the victor. I'll drive sickness away. I'll cause that thing of depression just to dissipate. But because you have me and you have my promises, because I shed my blood, there's nothing that you could do. But if you can just put that trust and that hope in me, I'm going to take you over and we're going to win together. Do you guys believe that? Because Jesus doesn't have any other thought in his mind when you team up with him other than to win. Now, it might not be easy. I can't guarantee you a fluffy, pillowy ride. You might have to sit the bench and feel like this stinks, but Coach Jesus, Coach Holy Spirit can come through every single time if you allow him, if you team up with him. Amen? 
Jesus makes it clear in John chapter 14, verse 6, that he says this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So even though Jesus hadn't come to earth yet, we're going back to the Genesis timeline, God showed Adam and Eve the proper way for sacrifice. He made them skins. He showed that the blood. And I'm going to try to figure out because there's so much richness in God's word and I just don't want to skim over top of it, but I will highlight some things that will help us understand that God had a plan all the way from before the beginning. Cain and Abel come on the scene in Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to go there in Genesis chapter 4. Thanks for letting me tell that story. That's a fun one. It's really good. You want to hear a little, here's a little side story. So that coach, right? Who maybe bless him, Lord. He 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 um he retired sometime shortly thereafter, and uh, he came back to one of our games. And I remember it was like a first quarter of a game. He's sitting right here, right on the sidelines, and he wasn't my coach at that point. I looked up at the clock, and I was like triple team, like not double team, triple team, because it was the end of the quarter. They wanted to do the ball for me, so my back was to the hoop. I was behind the three point line, and I saw him, and I looked at him, and I went. And I threw it behind my back because we're out of time anyways. And went whoosh, swish. It was kind of like that little, hey, you wish you had me on your team still. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's just, I know. I am still working on that. That was the guy. He, he needed a lot of work. That's not me anymore. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> Praise God. You know, I love authority. You know, I mean, that's, they're good. <laughs> they're good. I know, right? This is my origin story. I get it. Yeah, you guys, I know, right? Open it up, Johnny. Here. I dealt with a lot of things. Praise Still dealing. <laughs> Lord, work on me in your midst. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 4, we see that Abel and Cain, these brothers, they knew what was supposed to be right. And I'll show you here in verse, um, verse let's go to ch- verse 2. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. There was a proper way to do things. Just like we see Adam and Eve try to sow fig leaves and get right with God on their own accord. They couldn't do that. Cain tried to take his gardeny awesome tomatoes and get to God with his tomatoes. But God's like, I need blood. That's the only way. So Cain got angry, killed his brother. God heard something, and it was Abel's blood crying out for justice. Justice. We cry out for justice. I want this, I want that. And we could never have complete justice until Jesus came on the scene and Jesus did what he did. So we are living in a time where we don't have to look forward to Jesus coming. We're living in a time that we can look back and know that Jesus came. But either one, before Jesus came or after Jesus came, it takes faith to rise It takes faith to say, I believe that Jesus had pure, perfect, sinless blood that he died for me. So let's let's go there. Let's go there in this moment. Because I could talk about the Abrahamic covenant, which is powerful, which is amazing. I could talk about 
the Passover lamb, how God's people were in bondage and God set them free. I could talk about how when they were in the desert, God came on the mountain, he shook, he put the fear of God literally into all those people. But it all comes back to the blood. It comes back to the blood of Jesus that seals the deal for you and I. Amen? Jesus, Hannah, I'm not going to do the 47. Sorry, she's, she's trying to push me. Um, Jesus comes on the scene, and the birth of Jesus is the most beautiful picture of innocence coming into our lives, innocence that we didn't deserve. And Genesis chapter 3, verse, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 talks about the prophesied promise of God that I will cause that heal to be bruised, and I will cause you, Mr. Serpent, your head to be bruised. What's the difference? Jesus' heel was bruised when he was on the cross for United because there's action. To, he caused him to push himself up because they tried to get breast. It was an agonizing crucifixion. And that caused his heel to be bruised, which that's a temporary thing because we know that Jesus rose from the dead. But a bruise to the head when he promised and prophesied that into existence, a bruise to the head is a dead blow, is a dead strike. So Jesus had to do what he had to do all the way from before the beginning into that point. <clears throat> Jesus is our high, great high priest. And like I said, we're not going into the tabernacle, things like that whole story, but it's, it's, it's crazy all the things that had to take place before the high priest could enter in once a year for the sins of the people. He had to go in a certain way. He had to dress a certain way. He had to wear these fancy bells. He had to do all these different things. There was blood everywhere on everything. And like I said, I could break that all down. But what I want us to understand today, that Jesus is our great high priest. And in Hebrews, it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All right, youth, here I was, probably 13 years old, and my buddies, actually my brother and I wanted to go fishing. So we got up early in the morning, went out to the lake, we're fishing in the boat, catching tons of fish. And my brother, he's a little bit more physically put together than I was at that time. And he's like, let's work on our tans, Jonathan. I'm like, yeah, bro, let's work on our tans. So I'm so white. Like, you want to see? Yeah, I mean, I'm white. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. I'm so white. So I'm like, yeah, okay. So like, we're shirtless in the boat fishing. And he's like, yeah, sun's great. I'm like, yeah, sun's great. We're catching fish. Well, we come in, and I'm just I'm showing you my stupidity so you can learn from my mistakes. So I come in, and um, my friends are like, hey, let's go swimming. So at this point, my back's already burnt. I don't know it, but it is. And they're like, yeah, let's go swimming. So we go back down to the lake. Instead of fishing, now I'm swimming, and I'm out there for a couple more hours. No sunscreen, no shirt. A white man is lobster man now. <laughs> that day, that night, I feel really warm, but it wasn't bad. It was just, it was hot. It was hot. It was really hot. 
I'm like, I'll go to bed, I'll put a fan on. That fixes it every time. Next morning I wake up and then I decide to take a shower, take a shower, and then something took place to my deepest core that I'll never forget in my entire life. It was like somebody took a thousand knives and stabbed me in the back because the water hit my back and I dried off and it caused an explosion of pain that I'll never forget. And so I screamed, this high-pitched scream. The whole neighborhood heard. And my sister said, Jonathan, what's the problem? I said, my back, my back, my back. She said, what about your back? It's burning. I'm on fire, literally on fire. And so, you know, when I was little, the church I went to, they talked about hell. And at that point, I was kind of scared of hell. But after this point, I'm like, if that's what hell feels like, Jesus, I'm sorry for anything I ever did, anything I'm doing now, and everything I'll ever, I'll ever want. It would hurt so bad. And that was how I associated that moment. And so, like, the point of this is I'm getting there. I couldn't do anything in that moment to relieve the pain other than cold water on my back, which probably isn't a good thing, doctors. I don't know. And so then, like, I, I, I had to go to, like, okay, this is how we're going to fix this. So if my sister wasn't there, I would have been in pain or sitting in a shower all day till my parents got home because they were working. But at some point, I um, dried off the best of my abilities, put on some clothes, and then went to the living room. My sister put ice packs on my back, which helped, but it was bad. And why do I tell you that story? Because like, like Meg was talking about earlier about hell, right? I think so many times we think that there's works that we can do that get us in and get us out and get us in and get, what is that? That's religion. Where did you learn that? Who, who told you that? Where did that lie come in? Jesus took care of sin 2,000 years ago when he said it's finished. There's a difference between, I mean, we are, all sinners and fall short the glory of God. Sin is something that takes place when we go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. There's a difference between practicing sin and committing sin. If you're practicing sin, you're saying, uh-uh, God, I don't want to hear you. Holy Spirit, that little unction that I have right now, uh-uh, flu, flu, I'm having fun. Well, what did you do that for when you were playing in the sun? Because you know, by playing in the sun, you're going to burn your back. I ain't going to hear that because I want to have fun. So Jesus took care of sin once and for all. And when you commit sin, which we all do, we all do, 1 John 1, 9 lays this out. Are you ready? This is good. Brian, this is even for you. Are you ready for this? Glad you are. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, Father, I messed up. Whew. You commit that sin and say, God, I've committed this sin, whatever it is. Pretty one, ugly one, bad one. I ain't saying sins are pretty, but you know, they're not. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of that. As far as the east is from the west, infinite, they can't connect. He's gonna remove that. And what he does is he also can come in and help you remove guilt and shame and shame, and guilt, and guilt, and shame over and over and over again. If you say, and you humble yourself, I messed up. I need your help. I need your help. He'll come in every single time. So I'm so thankful for 1 John 1, 9. Now, 1 John 1, 9 isn't what they, I've heard it called like this, a get out of jail free card 
and pra- a thin practicing card. And if you're on that line of like, I can do what I want and use that to get out, I mean, come talk to me. I'll set you straight. That's not how it is. You got a heart issue. But God's willing to work with that too. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He ain't going to give up on you. It doesn't matter. Anything you've ever done, it doesn't matter how dark it is, how bad it is, how, how, how guilty you feel, how shameful it was. It doesn't matter. He wants you to come back right now. He doesn't want you to go away from this place thinking, nope, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's a lie. That's the, that's, the, that's the voice of your reasoning, the voice of the enemy, but the voice of the lion from the tribe of Judah, let it be ever clear, the same one who's on the path of righteousness, who's holy in everything that he does and blameless, the one who knew no sin but became sin for you, the one who hung on the cross, because it says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That's Jesus, he became the curse, so you wouldn't have to go through it. And he pronounces the blessing over your life. He's pronouncing the blessing over life every single day because when he shed his blood, he said it's finished. He went into glory and he sat down at the right hand of the Father and there at the right hand of God, there he intercedes for you, Luke. He talks to God every day about you. Why? Because he loves you. He didn't do this just for fun. He did it for eternity promise, eternity covenant. His blood that was shed, the scars that he took is for you and for I to come in agreement with what God says, I'm in. I'm in. So that, that 13, 14-year-old sunburnt boy who got scared, had the hell scared out of him, literally, I messed up since then. I messed up a lot since then. So pain, it's a heart thing. It's not a feeling thing. It's not a, mm, I feel good today. I'm gonna go into the presence of Jesus. <sighs> that was a great song by Kim Walker and Smith this morning. I just went into glory. I mean, praise God for anointed worship leaders. I could have dropped Kevin's name in there, so I'm sorry, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, listen to Kevin's song, you just get into it, right? Praise God, we need anointed worship. What's going on, man? But, you know, those feelings, those feelings, what are they? They're fleeting. But Jesus' blood is eternal. The covenant he cut is eternal. I'm gonna wind this thing down because I feel like it's time to do so. But I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus that washed away my sins, that removes the guilt and the shame of past mistakes I made. And I'm so thankful because of that covenant that he cut that I can come into agreement with God's promises for my life. Psalms 91 says this. If you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to read it many, many times over and over and not for it just to be mental ascent, but to know that God has cut covenant with you, not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did. Psalm 91 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Do you trust him? For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night. I'm going to stop right there. I believe the Lord has shown me that there are people here who wake up with night terrors, nightmares, dreams that cause you to wake up literally shaking. 
And Jesus says, I'm here to protect you and to save you and to remove and break off any curses that have been attached to your life. Because once you enter into the bloodline of God, that bloodline that you have had been in your whole life, and those curses can be broken off. Why? God says, I will satisfy you as we see here with long life. And I will take sickness out of your midst and I will cause those terrors to flee. That's a loving father. A loving father wouldn't say, I'm gonna do all of this, but yet you know that depression that's been running in your family, you need to hang on to that. My God wouldn't say that. You know those diseases that your other family members have had, those heart diseases, that hereditary thing, you need to hang on to that. No, that's not for you. That's not for you. Why? Because Jesus did it all. There's nothing you could do, but all you do is you put your trust. And maybe, maybe this is the point where you just start believing for more. I can't just sit here and tell you, do this or else, because that's not God. But God's encouraging you. He's calling you deeper. And he's saying, can you believe me for more? Can you believe that people in your family, starting with you, will live longer? Can you believe that those alcoholism curses that's been in your life, line after line, don't have to come onto you, can stop right here and right now? Those addictions that you've seen in the past can stop right now. Why? Because God's calling you into his family. He's calling you to understand something that goes beyond yourself. It goes back into eternity past, and we're going with him into eternity future. And if you want to be on board with me, to do this and to learn and to just get a little bit more, today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day. Um, band, if you would like, you can come forward. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with this story right here. A few weeks ago, my wife and I, we were going on a little hot date on our side-by-side -side in the neighborhood. She's like, let's go, boy. I'm like, okay, girl. And uh, it was just me and her and the Kawasaki mule going in the countryside, left our kids at home, put them on lockdown, saying, stay, we go. And so we're driving around, having a good old time, exploring the back roads. And we come home, we're about a quarter mile from home, and there's like this curvy little thing that goes down to this ditch. And I look to my house, and right in front of my house, there's a bunch of people. And we live in the country, and there's never a bunch of people in front of our house. Never. Like, that was weird. Like, what's going on? Well, Evangeline here, we know that she's a little adventurer. So instantly, Daddy thought, did my baby girl go out on the road and get hit? And so I put the gas pedal to the metal, got to our driveway as fast as possible. And as we approached, we saw that there had been a motorcycle accident right there in front of our house in the middle of all places that could happen, right there in front of our house. Kind of strange. I was relieved to know that none of my kids were involved and Sarah went in the house. And as I got there and I stepped out, just this presence of God was so thick in that place in front of my house. There was a man laying in the road and he had blood coming from his head and his eyes were blood and there was blood everywhere. There's life in the blood. And as I found out, there was three motorcycles. One guy was safe. He parked his bike. The other guy, as I, I heard him tell me this, but I looked at the security footage on my cameras later, he actually flipped his Harley Davidson twice into my ditch. And he was on the ground. 
And we got there about two minutes after it all happened, minute and a half. That guy who flipped his motorcycle into my ditch, who should be dead, stood up within a few seconds and walked to the road. And the guy who was laying on the road, he's in the road. And like I said, there's just this presence of God in this place. I'm like, I don't know what to do other than just direct traffic. Some state police officers showed up. Fire trucks showed up. Ambulances showed up. And they got that guy in the stretcher and he was kind of coherent. And they put him in the back of the ambulance. And I'm just praying. And I felt the Lord say, Jonathan, this is the property I've given you. And Psalm 91 says, no harm will come in your borders, will come in your lands. And I just felt that God's angels were around that place. Because he says, I'll give my angels charge over thee. And so I think these motorcycles, they piggybacked off my angels. I think they got a little benefit from crashing right on, I mean, the border of our property was right there. And the guy who got put him back in the ambulance, he said, I don't need a ride to the hospital and he gets out and he's in front he's all beat up and he's kind of groggy but God was doing something there and I was just offering my services and they said hey can we park our motorcycle here these were nice these were nice motorcycles gliders they were nice they weren't nice after crashing locking up boom boom so what should have been two dead motorcyclers because of the covenant I believe I had with God and the presence of God in that place they walked away with one was pretty beat up, but the other one, he was great. And the other one who flipped his motorcycle, as I saw in the footage, and walked up. What can you believe God for? There's so many promises in his word, and he has the best intentions for you. The very best intentions for your bloodline, for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren. He's caused you to be in this time, in this place, to stand in the gap to hook up with Jesus' heart, to intercede for the lost, to give them the hope of being in the family of God. So this is how I'm gonna end this. I believe that there's here people here today that you can think, yeah, I know of a generational something that's trying to attach itself to me. You just wanna say no. You just can decide in your heart today, uh-uh, that isn't for me. God's best is for me. Maybe you had some guilt and some shame that's tried to track you down and attach itself to you and climb on your back and say, shame, 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 guilt, guilt, guilt. Jesus is here to rip that thing off your back, throw it into the sea of forgetfulness and say, hey, baby boy, hey, baby girl, you're forgiven. If that's for you, take it. You don't have guilt and shame attached to you. In the name of Jesus, you have the right to walk in the power of full forgiveness. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Megan, you're not even close of turning that way. You're on your way, going into eternity, high-stepping, carrying the football, and you're headed to the, the end zone, and Jesus is throwing blocks to you, to your left and to your right. Do you believe it, sister? She's a great running back. I can feel it. I'm not getting in her way for every single one of you. God has a plan, he has a future, he has a destiny, and it's up here. It's not down here. But he's, what he's asking you to do is just to humble yourself, to hook yourself up with what he says. And if you do that, your future's bright. Amen? Go ahead, Scott. I wanna thank you again for listening to this episode of A Church in the City. 
If you could use prayer for anything in your life, we would be honored to partner with you. Send us an email to prayer at dccgr.org. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend so that we can fulfill our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. Before you go, a quick reminder about our fundraising for The Roots Project. You can get involved in a bunch of different ways by going to achurchinthecity.org slash miracleground. Thank you and God bless you. We'll see you next time.